Good morning. Today's text is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, how are you doing this morning? Good morning. Hey, welcome online. We're going to dive into the message right up front. So uh, if you want to grab your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 1, if you're still walking out to get a cup of coffee at home or out in the circle, get a cup of coffee, grab your coffee, jump on in. We're going to dive into this right up front. And so what we're going to do is we're going to press into the text we got today, and then the, all, the singing and the worship is a response to to what we see here today. And man, first service was a powerful time of looking what God has to speak to us about, and then and then our, our response in singing worship is uh, is something we really uh, really need. So let me pray just briefly, and uh, let's 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 dive into this this morning. Father, meet us here today. We pray, give us ears to hear, open the eyes of our heart, so we would know you and see these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let me say a brief word, too. If you're interested in the intro to grace tonight, when you come, um, you don't come through these doors in the back here, the circle, kind of the main entrance. Come in the other side of the church, the office doors, right out by West Main Street and into the Real Life Center, so you'll, you'll know. And, and the room's big enough, we can space you out if you're concerned about, yeah, those kinds of things, right? Because we are concerned about some of these things. I was telling some people this week that I, I, I feel like I'm operating um, in parallel universes, as I engage people and, 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 and work through the week, I, I have to, when I come up to somebody, it's like, okay, what universe are they living in? And what I mean by that is, you know, you turn on the football game, beside, you know, and, and, and you look, and I watch the U.S. Open, and it's like, 
you know, there's 100,000 people in the stands all packed together, and it's like life is normal. And at the same time, man, I'm, I'm, we're praying through people, praying for people that are sick on ventilators, and, and, you know, it's like, whoa. It's like people, we're living in, like, parallel universes here. And so, so you know, how do you, how do you navigate those things? So we, we got to be rooted in, and everybody's got an opinion about a mask and vaccines. It's like, oh, man, the word save us. So what we got to do, folks, is we got to come together. And, you know, what do we know? Where are we going to anchor our souls? Well, it's God in his word. I mean, we got to anchor in these things so that we can uh, navigate these days. All right. So let, let's pray as we do that this morning. Lord, Lord, please meet us. Please meet us here as I pray. And as we open up your word, we, we got to hear from you. All right, so here it is. Uh, the question to start us out, do you know somebody this morning who could really use some help? <laughs> you know, are, is like, are you kidding me? Um, if you're a Buckeye fan, they need some help this morning, all right? If you're new here, if you're new here, I was born and raised in Michigan, and it's never gotten out of my blood. I'm sorry, but I'm hurting for you. You need some help. It's nice <laughs> to say that. Um, but, but really, you're going, hey, Dan, it's, it, you know, I, I get, okay, parallel universes, all right? If there is someone that you know, you do know, that you're really concerned with, I mean, they got some real needs, right? People you know. You know somebody like that? They don't need a favor right now. They need a miracle, all right? So, and, and if you know someone like that and you really care, there's a good chance you're thinking through, well, how do I reach out to them? How do I connect to them? What should I do? And so you call them or you connect with them and you, and you ask the question, how can I help? How can I help? And we say that a lot. Let me know if there's anything I can do because when you care, you want to help them, right? Anything I can do. And, and many times there are things you can do, right? In a health crisis, man, bring them a meal, give them a ride to the hospital, watch their kids, send them some money to gift cards to encourage them with these things. And you guys are doing that, and it's huge. It's powerful. Um, sometimes people are in a marriage crisis. You know, how can we help? Some good godly counsel and advice and friends to walk them through it and encouragement is really, really important. Maybe somebody's facing a big financial decision. How can we help? How can you help? You know, or kids come home with their schoolwork. I mean, parents go, I thought I knew how to do math, <laughs> right? And now I don't know how to do math. What, what in the world are they doing, right? They need help with their schoolwork or a car repair or somebody help me with a Zoom meeting, right? I mean, I am technology. I, I'm walking through the offices all the time. Help, help, you know, with the technology stuff. Or maybe it's help that's just a listening ear. I mean, how helpful is that sometimes, right? When someone goes, look, I just, just... I want to listen. And that's huge. It can be really, really helpful. But today, what I want us to see today, what we're going to see today, is that the most important thing that we can do when someone needs help is to pray. To pray. We got to pray. Now, I know many of you would say, I've been doing an awful lot of that 
lately. And we have, haven't we? I've seen that, you know, somebody's going through a difficult time and you their Facebook page and they're posting things and what's underneath it. It's a whole bunch of you guys going, I'm praying for you, praying for you, praying for you, offer up prayers. And, so, and, and it's great. Cards, you know, as I'm talking to people here at Grace going through stuff, they're going, Dan, it's amazing. People sending cards to us. It's such an encouragement. It really, really is. And going, you know, we're praying for you. It's really important. But here's the question I want to push you on, okay? I'm talking to you who are praying. What are you praying for? What do your prayers sound like when you say, Lord, I want to pray for what exactly are you asking for? You say, well, Dan, I, I, I'm asking God to help heal them. That's good. That's good. Or you're saying, I just get them through the crisis or fix the problem or mend the relationship. That is, you, you got to pray those things. It's really good. But the question that, that I want to bring up today is there, is there, are there other things we can pray for? Are there additional ways that we can bring resources to the people that we care for? Are there other ways that we could ask God to help them in addition to healing or, you know, have an unknown uncle leave them a million dollars. You know, I mean, I mean, are there other things that we can that we can pray for and ask God to help them? Now, the passage that was read for you earlier is a revealing look at the Apostle Paul's prayer life. The Apostle Paul is writing to these people in Ephesus and saying, I'm praying for you, and these people needed help. But what Paul does is he just doesn't post on the church Facebook page, I'm praying for you. The Apostle Paul says, here's how I'm praying for you, and he writes out his prayer. It, it, it's, 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 it's fascinating to, to, to look at. It's an inside look. And now, when, if you paid attention, uh, or when, when Brad read the prayer, he basically read Paul's prayer earlier, my guess is you went, wait a minute, that's not the typical prayer I'm used to hearing for someone, right? And here's the other thing that probably happened to you, whether you've been in church a long time or not. When you come into church for the first time or whatever, and you hear some people pray, Sometimes it's like we don't understand what they're praying about. It kind of goes over our head. It's like, wow, what are they praying about? The only prayers I've heard is good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. And, and then sometimes Christians are, are praying, and it's like, wow, what are they praying for? Well, I'll bet that's how you felt when you heard Paul's prayer. I bet that's how they felt in Ephesus when Paul says, here's how I'm praying for you, and you're going, what? And so we want to look at that this morning and go, what was Paul praying for? What was he saying? And what can we learn from this? So in Ephesians 1, the first thing I, I, you know, I want you to understand, though, that who specifically he's praying for, and Paul's praying for his Christian friends who are going to this church in Ephesus, who are part of the church in Ephesus. He's praying specifically for believers, his Christian friends. When he prays for people who are outside of Christ, they're not believers, he prays something different, but he's praying for other Christian friends. See, in verse 15, that's what it says. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith, he heard about, you've put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I heard about your love for all the saints. I don't cease to give thanks for you and remember you in my prayers. In other words, so what Paul's saying is, before he asks God 
for anything for these people. He thanks God for them that they have salvation. See, Paul, the first thing he says, man, when I pray for you, before I get to my list, I thank God for you. He was thankful that they put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He'd heard that they'd made that decision. They realized that Christ died for their sin, and by faith in Jesus, they put their faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Paul heard about that, he says, and he knew it was real, and they just didn't pray a prayer or walk an aisle. He knew it was real because their lives were being transformed. Because he says, I've also heard about your love toward all the saints. Because see, what happens to somebody when they become a new believer, they're born from above. They, they, they are truly saved. What happens is it transforms your entire relational world. It transforms your relationship with God, opens it up. I now have peace with God and a living relationship with Him, and we love God now. And also, it transforms all your other relationships because now we love others as well. God puts that in our hearts, and we live that out as believers. So like in John 13, Jesus says, By this, all men will know you're really my disciples if you love one another. And so Paul says, man, I've heard about you guys. You made a decision to put your faith in Christ, and it's evident that your life is being transformed. So he's praying for fellow believers, these saints. Uh, every believer is called a saint, and he begins his prayer before he gets to his list, basically doing this. God, I am so thankful that these folks have Jesus and we know that that's the case, and we know that they have Jesus, and you're alive in them. And that changes the whole perspective and how we can pray for them, because all the potential and the confidence we have is because you're in them, and we're going to pray for them. See, when and pray that God helps them. It, it, it's, it's a different place when you're praying for a believer versus an unbeliever, Right? When someone is an unbeliever and their life implodes on them, maybe they get to the place where they're facing death, guess what your major concern is as a believer? Man, do they have Jesus? They need a Savior. They need to get Jesus. And so you pray that for them in those times. But how about for a believer? When their life implodes and they're facing death, it's a different way in which we pray. And that's how we're going to see from the Apostle Paul. Are you ready? So, so this is really an amazing thing. We're going to watch Paul praying for other believers and realize this is the best thing we can possibly do for another believer is pray for them. Four ways in which Paul prays that God will help them. The first one is he prays that they would know God better. Notice this in verse 17. He says, so I don't cease giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So how are you praying, Paul? I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation real to you in the knowledge of him. Paul's praying, I pray that you know God better. He prayed that the Holy Spirit would open their eyes and hearts to who God is and how he can really help them. This is important. Who God is and how he can really help them. We just, we, we get a really small view of that. Here's what I mean. In Psalm 121, you know, we pray, we all pray this way. God help them, right? God help them. God help me. Okay, question. Who is this God 
and how can he help you? Paul, Paul's praying that their minds would be exploded and understand what this means. Like in Psalm 121, it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? He says, my help comes from the Lord. And so you go, well, that's nice. And people will say it all the time, man, the Lord is my help. I'm sure glad the Lord's helped me. Okay, question, who is this Lord that's helping you? I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes to the Lord. Who is he? Next phrase, the maker of heaven and earth. Oh. And Paul's praying that they would understand that when they're asking the Lord for help, they're asking the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 46, same thing. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth change and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. That's what, that's what it says in it, this God. Who is this God that, that helps you and gives you refuge and strength, even though the the earth changes and the mountain falls into the heart of the sea and you don't feel fear? Or the, the twin towers f crash and fall on the streets of New York City? Or COVID spreads. Did you hear? God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Well, what kind of, who is this God? Well, Psalm 46 goes on to say he's the God who makes wars cease. It says later in Psalm 46 that this is the God when he utters his voice, the earth melts. Do you understand our help comes to the, the maker of heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them? Read Genesis 1. He spoke it all into existence. Read Colossians 1. This God is the one who sustains and upholds the universe. This is the God that we're praying to. I need your help. I need you to be a refuge and a strength to me. Oh, Paul says we need to pray that we, we know God better. To do that, you've got to seek him. You've got to soak yourselves in the scripture. God is telling us about him in here, in his word. And he reveals himself to us. His sovereign power, his wisdom, his love. Watch God interact with people down through thousands and thousands of years. His love, his justice, his mercy, his specific care and concern, his goodness, his children. Read classic books like Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Read books like A.W. Tozer, The Pursuit of God. Paul's praying, God, they need to know you better right now. Why is it important that we pray this for people? Because listen, listen, in difficult situations, we're often told in church world and Christian world, going through a hard time, what are we told? Look, you've got to trust God. Well, think about it. When somebody tells me to trust God, it's hard to trust someone when you don't know them very well. Hey, you got to trust God. Well, what if I don't know God very well? It's hard to trust somebody you don't know very well. You know, you're walking down the street, you're in a thunderstorm, right? Somebody pulls up, rolls down the window, hey, get in, I'll give you a ride. What's going through your head? If it's somebody you don't know, 
you're not getting in. You'd rather face a lightning bolt, right? But if it's, it's your, a longtime friend, you're jumping in a car, right? You know him, and you trust him. So, you know, Paul's praying. If they're really going to trust God and find peace in him, they've got to know him better. This is an important thing to pray for people. Um, you know, one of the fears, God's our rep, he'll help us, therefore we will not fear. Uh, one of the big fears people have is drowning. This picture probably freaks some of you out right now. You know, like, ah, oh, stop, I can't look. Say it isn't so. You know, it is like, oh, that's my worst nightmare. Some of you say, I've had dreams, and that's my dream. You know, and I'm going, going through that, right? You're drowning, you're going down for the last time. Okay, you're a lady, you know, it's a lady's picture, right? Well, a lifeguard dives in. Oh, man, this guy's quite the guy. And he dives in, and he saves you. He brings you up on the beach, gives you mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. You come to, and then he sees kissing you, and you go, oh, my word, I woke up to this. This is amazing. So you, you wake up, you've been coughing and spitting, you look at him, and you say, thank you. You saved my life. I will never forget you. And then you turn and begin to walk away down the beach, and the lifeguard says to you, hey, I'd like us to be friends. I'd like us to know each other. I'm not done rescuing you. Paul prayed, listen to what Paul prayed for these believers who had been saved. They had been rescued. And Paul's praying, look, he's rescued you. Don't walk away from him at the beach. You need to know him better. He wants you to know him better because God has to rescue us every single day. So Paul's praying, all right, for people. Next thing he's praying is that they have hope. They have hope for their future. Boy, don't we need that, right? So he's praying that the, verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which God has called you as believers. Do you know? You know, when life folds in on us, we need hope. We need hope. When difficult times come, we wonder, is all this pain, all this suffering, all this adversity, you know, our lives, when they implode, you've had it happen. Your lives implode, someone comes along, and, and it's a common phrase, and, and they mean well when they say it. They say, oh, don't worry, things are going to work out. You know what? When you're, in, when you're in it, and you're really suffering, and your world's coming apart, that doesn't help you. In fact, you feel like decking them. Well, what do you mean? So I'm supposed to believe you, oh, you think things are going to work out? I need a little more confidence than that. I need somebody else to tell me that things are going to work out. So, well, I hope so. Are things going to work out for that? Well, I hope so. No, listen, listen. As a believer, you know so. And here's why, Romans 8, 28. And we know, it says we know that God, 
works all things together for the good. Evil, adversity, death, all, he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes to glorify him in our lives and to be transformed to be more like Christ. See, Paul says, I want people to know the hope to which God has called us, his purposes. You know, people wonder, are things really going to get better someday? Will I ever feel good again? You ever wonder that? Will I ever feel good again? Um, you're going through, uh, I won't have you raise your hands. How many of you have, have faced a time in your life when the doctor said, I'm sorry, it's not going to get better. This is what you're going to live with the rest of your life. And you realize, oh my word, my body's going downhill. My body's on a, the wrong trajectory here, and it's never coming back. Is there any hope? I'm starting to lose my memory and remember things. It's going downhill. Is, it never, is there any hope? This body continues to, to be tempted, these desires you have. Will I ever get over these sinful desires? Uh, no. <laughs> You know, it's like this flesh will constantly be pulling us to tempt. Will I ever get a, is there any hope for this crazy body of mine? Uh, guess what? God says there is. I want you to see a video. Now, I made this a year ago, uh, but um, it points us to Romans chapter 8. And I want you to listen about hope for our bodies. Hey, welcome to my backyard. I want to show you a wild apple tree that was here before I even built my house. And the reason I want you to see it, it's a beautiful picture of hope. Today, it is a cold, dark, wet day. A lot of death, but if you look closely, there are small signs of life in this tree, small leaves. And I want to tell you something, it's nothing like it's going to look someday. This tree will be stunning, I promise, you'll see. It reminds me of Romans chapter 8, listen carefully. We ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. The redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we are saved. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you and there is life. But right now, today, in these days, we groan and we wait. But there is hope. I promise you, you'll see. Hey, check out my wild apple tree. I told you it was going to be amazing. It's hard to imagine it. It was hard to imagine that it was only two weeks ago, a little less than two weeks ago, I stood right here. And things looked pretty dead, but now look at it. It's an amazing thing. It's hard to imagine, too, what the redemption of our bodies are going to look like and what it's going to be. Because right now, my body is plagued, and our bodies are plagued with sickness and in death. But there is hope. Jesus said, I promise you'll see. It'll be amazing. And it says in Romans 8, it's in this hope that we are saved. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the redemption of our bodies. Never forget 
Anybody want to say amen to that hope? Amen. Revelation 21 describes every believer's guaranteed future. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Paul's praying that our hearts, the eyes of our hearts, would be lightened and infused with the hope that we have in Christ. Is there any hope? You know, our faithful obedience to Christ, is it really going to pay off? Is there a reward? You say, man, I'm running the race with endurance. This is very, very difficult. What if I follow Jesus and it costs me my life? There are believers today living their lives out, and they're following Jesus, and it's costing them their life. Is there any hope in that? Where's the hope in this? Where's the hope in the injustice and this tragedy? What is it really going to worth it? Is it going to matter? Is there really a reward? Will I really look back someday and say it was worth it? And can I really live with the, like Paul did for me to live as Christ and to die as gain? Where do you get that kind of hope? Well, 2 Corinthians tells us this, guarantees that momentary light affliction is preparing for us, is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. As we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are temporary and transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. D.A. Carson says this, I, I love what he says as he writes on, on this passage in Ephesians. He says, you know, in our, in our generation, and especially Americans, in our generation, which reflects too little on the future and almost never on eternity, it is distressingly obvious that we need help. We need help from God so as to be able to know the hope to which we have been called as believers. Only then will we become more interested in living with eternity's values constantly before our eyes. Paul prayed, you've got to have this hope. See, the spiritual battle gets intense in our lives, doesn't it? The spiritual battle is intense when you are suffering, when things aren't going well, when there's injustice in your life, when there's pain in your life, when people are sinning against you in your life, and the temptation to despair can be overwhelming, and it's so easy to lose perspective. And Paul said, man, you better pray for other believers that they know the hope to which we have been called. Third, Paul prayed that, that, that other believers would understand their value to God. They would understand their value to God. You know, when you're going through hard times, uh, you, you, you can see, well, God's just punishing you. God's, God's done with you. You're not a very good Christian. Um, God doesn't need you anyway. And um, everybody else has rejected you, and so, so has God. You're really not worth much. You're not doing much for him anyway. And so, you know, all these kinds of things that Paul's going, you know, he's praying against that kind of thing. Watch what he does in verse 18. Again, he prays that their eyes of their hearts enlightened to know the hope and what are the riches, watch this, what are the riches of his, God's glorious inheritance in the saints. Now hang on to this. What Paul is praying, and understand this, that believers, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are God's inheritance. We'll say it again. 
If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are God's inheritance. You have been purchased at the highest of prices with the blood of Jesus Christ. And now we belong to him. And we are God's very valued possessions. You know, when it, when it says, you know, now this is, this is not occasion for arrogance. Well, of course God chose me because I'm so special. No, I'm afraid we're not, right? Well, I'm so talented, he needs me. Oh, really? <laughs> you know, no, no, this is, a, this is a time for humble gratitude and to anchor our soul that undeserving sinners who are backs to God thinks they know the best way and they're running away from God. God wrecks us, shows us our sin, brings him to himself, cleanses us, forgives us, puts his righteousness in us, and makes us his valued special possession because we're in Christ. It's amazing what he's done with us. First Peter 1 says, and you were ransomed. You, we were slaves, and a huge price was paid to ransom us from a, a life of, of sin and rebellion against God. He says, you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. You know, we, we grew up, we didn't know what we're doing in life. We're running from God. We're just, you know, it's dumb and dumber on our, on our way to getting more and more lost and messed up. And God says, you know, I, I purchased you out of that whole life. Well, what did it cost him? Not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Paul prayed that, hey, look, you understand as a believer the va how you're valued, your God's inheritance purchased by the blood of his own son. Now, we need to understand our value to God for other reasons, too. Because, and here, here's another reason it can really be helpful to you to understand, wow. God, God, I am valuable to him. It's because it helps us trust him that he will take care of us. Here, here's what I mean. We tend to take care of things that you value. Take care of things that you value. You know, you get a brand new set of golf clubs, and you know, your 10-year-old you know, goes, hey, can I go out and whack some things around in the backyard? Maybe I'll tee up a rock while I'm at it. It's like, oh, no, no, you don't understand here. You know, do you understand? Uh, you know, these are my golf clubs, right? right? Or, or, you know, you, you're, you know, you get a brand new cell phone, you're really excited about it, and your four-year-old comes up and says, Mommy, can I play a game on this thing? Well, you know, do you understand? You know, we, we're very careful. We take care of the things that we value that we value, okay? And, and so God, listen, listen, we're called children. He values us. He takes care of the things that, that have value that he values. That's why when Jesus says, it's interesting, he says, you're, you're worried and anxious about everything. Oh, what am I going to do about this? What about this? God says, look, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. And he says, look at the birds. This is Jesus. He says, look at the birds. Your heavenly Father feeds them and takes care of them. And listen to what he says. Are you not of more value than they are? See, what, what Jesus is trying to get into our hearts and heads, and Paul's trying to pray into the hearts and heads of believers is, do you understand how much the Father values you? He'll take care of you. He takes care of things that you value. That's why 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Okay, God, you're going to have to bail me out on this. Why? He cares for you. 
Well, how do I know he's going to care for me? That's why Paul's praying that the, that the eyes of their heart will be opened up. Understand, you're his inheritance. He's going to take care of you. All right, fourth thing. Know their power to thrive. So he prayed they'd know God better, have hope for the future, understand their value to God, and know their power to thrive. Um, what kind of ability do we really have to live out the Christian life, to follow him, um, and, and to have the strength to endure suffering? What, what, what kind of power do we have? Well, you need to dig deep. <laughs> you know, you, you've tapped those resources, right? So what, what do you do? Paul wanted to know the kind of power you have if you're a believer. Here's what he says. I want you, the eyes of your heart have to be opened up and God show you that he, verse 19, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us? God's power toward us who are believers, who believe. According to the work, what kind of power? Well, it's, it's, it's like the, the power working his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Wow, talk about life-giving power. And then look at this, talk about authority. And he put him in heavenly, far above, put Jesus far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, all the demonic forces, demonic forces, everything, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come, right? This is Jesus. And he put all things under his feet, and then watch, gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You're going, what in the world is Paul praying that you would understand if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the power that is accessible to you through God and the fact that you're a part of his church and we're connected to the head who is Christ and Christ never gets detached from his body and the head infuses us and God gives us the power toward us, and he gives Christ to the church. Now, that's, a, that's a lot. We could talk a lot about it. Let me try and bring it down to real simple terms. Well, it's Ephesians 4.13 in a nutshell, which says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Because, listen, the Christian life is hard. Christian life, enduring suffering, enduring losing hope. It is very, very difficult. The Christian life gets times when you say, I can't do this. And the evil one says, you can't do it. You're no Christian. You can't live this Christian life. And you say, that's right. I can't do this. And you know what? You're right. You can't. But God wants you to know, and Paul's praying that they would know, that with God's power in you, the Holy Spirit in you, you can do these things. You can endure. You can obey. You can recover. You can tap into his grace every single day. And, and this is going to really be important as, as, you, as he plays out the letter in Ephesians, okay? When Ephesians, Paul in this book... He's going to start diving into very specific practical subjects in our lives. And, and listen, if, if we're going to live the way God calls us to live, we got to have, have his power to do it, and Paul understands that. In other words, here's what he's going to get in and say, look, if you're a believer, you can do this. He's going to get into the topics of racial reconciliation. 
You say, oh my goodness, there, there's a topic for the day, right? That's right. Can we really, can believers really reconcile and this racial, yes, and God's, he's going to show, show us how, with God's strength, we, we do this. He's going to talk about racial reconciliation. He's going to talk about marriage issues. He's going to talk about marriage. Hey, our marriage is fractured, whatever, whatever. Can God really repair and do these things? Yes. Uh, his strength, he can do it. Uh, you, reading all the books in the world, uh, you know, he is, yes, he's going to get into situations at work, he's going to get into raising kids, he's going to talk about sexual purity, he's going to talk about dealing with greed, bitterness, anger, addictions, and spiritual warfare. There you go. He's going to get into all of these things in Ephesians, but he wants us to know, but he's praying, you got to know that you've got the power in Christ to really live this way, you got the power to thrive in the Christian life. That's why 2 Peter 1, verse 3 says this, His God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. I mean, that's an amazing verse. God's divine power has given us everything we need to live out the abundant life in Christ and be transformed into more and more godly people. We really can do this, and Paul wants them to know that. See, Satan doesn't want you to know that. Satan, sometimes people don't even give their lives to Christ because they think, well, I can never live like a Christian. You're right, you can't. And so when you come to faith in Christ, then he rebirths you and empowers you to live out that life. And so that, that's the thing that he wants them to know. So Paul prayed for people, for other believers, that they would know and experience God's strength and God's power. And you guys pray that for people. God strengthen them. This is what you're, you're, you're praying. Sometimes you see Christians and you go, I don't know how they do it. And you say, how do you do it? And, and, and believers will go, well, how do you keep going? They'll say, well, it's Jesus. You know, when people say to me, have said to me, Dan, how do you, man, alive, it's got to be tough. How, how do you keep going? I tell them, it's Jesus and your prayers for me. <laughs> and, and that's the deal. And Paul's saying that. How do other believers keep going in the worst of circumstances and thrive in life? Here's the answer. They got to have Jesus and your prayers for them. <laughs> there it is. There's the deal. Um, some of the favorite verses for Christians, look at, listen to these verses. They're going to be familiar and, and about the kind of strength and power we have in Christ to thrive. This is Isaiah chapter 40. Have you not known? Have you not heard? And this is what Paul is praying for the Ephesians. Man, I pray that they know this, they understand this, they get this. Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where's my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Well, who is he? Hey, don't, don't you know? The Lord is the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. You'll never figure him out. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might. He increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. Young men fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord, those who hope in the Lord, will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Paul 
is praying that they would know that they have access to that kind of power to thrive whatever situation that they're in. So as we wrap it up this morning, as we conclude this morning, I bring us back to the question we started with. Um, who do you know in your life that needs some help? Now, there are many tangible ways in which God will call us to, to, to help them. Very tangible ways of being there, of providing material ways for them. Uh, but understand something. For believers in Jesus Christ, the greatest thing we can do for each other is pray. You say, okay, I am praying. I know you're praying. But boy, what can we learn from Paul's prayer here? that will increase. Yes, keep praying about healing, all these things we're praying for. But look at this. Add this to your list. Add this to the things that you're praying into the lives of the people you care about. Man, I pray that they know you. God, they got to know you better. They got to meet you. They got to seek you right now and find you and they, they, they could trust in you. God, I pray that you would, would infuse this hope. I pray that their perspective would be blown and they would see things from eternally and the hope that you call them to and you're sovereign and you're good in their lives. God, I pray that they would understand how much they're valued. I pray that they would reject any of those kinds of messages that you don't care about them and, and you don't need them and, and reject that. They know how precious you are and that you're going to care for who, who you value. And I pray that they know the power they have. They can make it. They can take one step a day at a time, your daily manna in their lives. God, I pray they know that. Pray like that. We got to pray like that for each other. We have to pray like that. So, I'm going to have you do it right now. All right? The worship team's going to, um, I, I want you to pray. And when I started with the question, do you know somebody that needs some help? Um, and you all did, right? And somebody you've been praying for. We're going to take some time right now, and I want you to pray. The greatest thing you can do, most powerful thing you can do right now for that person is to pray for them. And we're going to take advantage of it right now. So, let's do that, and I'll close us in a bit. Go ahead and intercede, pray for people you care about and how they can be helped. into the throne room. You intercede for us and you invite the blood of Jesus Christ covered us so we can walk in into the Holy of Holies, you said, and, and we can intercede. You said, come and ask. You're believers. You come in. So I, the, only, the only way I can even plead with you, God, for any of these people or for anything is because I come in the blood of Jesus Christ and in Christ and I come to you and, and you told us we could come and we're going to ask 
Lord, the psalmist says that I love the Lord because he heard my voice. He heard my cry. And so we're going to cry to you. Like the psalmist says, if you hear my voice, I'm going to cry to you as long as I live. And so we do. God, help them. Help. You got to help. You got to help us. You got to help us. You got to help us. Where does our help come from? It comes from you. You're all we have. And you can be trusted. And you give us hope. And you give us strength. And you give us courage. We thank you. Without you, we're nothing. We'll never make it. We'll implode in an instant. So we need you. And thank you. Open our hearts and minds to who you really are and how you really can help. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going we're gonna to worship now, okay? And, and these songs are powerful. Man, you know, it was so such a delight for service to engage in these things. The first, the first song says, do you feel the world is broken? And we go, yeah, we do. And then it says to you, do you feel the shadows deepen? Yes, we do. So what do you do with that? Where do you go for help? Let's stand together, church, and worship this amazing God that we serve and love.